Welcome back. It's Saturday, August 3rd. This is episode 51, Random Encounters in the Library. (laughs) And today we're going to be diving into some old Doctor Who stuff. I am going to save my drinking of alcohol till after recording this episode, but you might want to start now. If that's not your thing, well, good luck. Take care, and let's hit the road. So, just wanted to drop a little update uh, on my game that I ran earlier today. Uh, My two regulars uh, showed up, uh, Damaris and Mike. Mike uh, thought he had uh, somebody that was going to come along, but uh, they haven't answered their texts. So, it was still those two. Uh, but we're, I'm usually able to come up with something where they can do that. Uh, we had a player uh, drop in just after we were getting started. They wanted to try it. And then um, we got uh, partway into the action, and it got a little intense for them. And they had to drop out. So, but that was understandable. Um They'd had some uh, issues in the past um, with uh, things, I don't know, I don't want to go into it, but basically I was like, it's okay, you know, whatever you feel like. So, but otherwise, it was a good session, Uh, currently waiting for some uh, swag from Goodman Games once I get that. I think I might um, open it, post some pictures so people can see the kinds of stuff you get. Um, But it was fun. And um, I don't think there's anything else. So let's get into the Doctor Who. And we'll begin with a comedic uh, recitation of... One of the letters in Doctor Who magazine, issue number 104 from September 1985. This is the letter entitled, Credible Darrow. I am not an avid fan of Doctor Who, but I have watched the program and enjoyed it very much. My favorite doctor is still Tom Baker, although Colin Baker has done very well in taking over the role from Peter Davison. However, on to what I really want to say. I read the retrospective article by Gary Russell, and while agreeing with him that the story Timelash was not the best, this was by no means the fault of the actors. I felt the storyline was not thought out properly, and I would have said it was due to the author. But if the story was changed from the way he had originally written it, then he cannot be held responsible for the finished article. What I do disagree with is Gary Russell's description of Paul Darrow's performance. The character of Tekka was not developed as it should have been, 
and Mr. Darrow gave the pot great credibility considering the limitations set on it. We are meant to believe that Tekka is an unscrupulous opportunist whose only thought is how to further and strengthen his own position and power without risk to himself. Yet knowing the weapon the Borad has, he calmly steps in front of it. This was totally wrong and completely out of character. As for the saying that Darrow goes over the top in such programs as Doctor Who and Blake 7, that is ridiculous, especially in relation to Blake 7. Paul Darrow's character of Evon was one of the mainstays of the series, and his acting throughout has been both convincing and thoroughly entertaining. Finally, having watched the entire last series of Doctor Who, I found that during the series there seemed to be a tendency towards comedy just a bit too much. And while comic relief helps, it should never be allowed to detract from the main story. Apologies to Elizabeth Sweeney of Glasgow. So, what we'll start with here in our Doctor Who discussion is uh, with the um, the cover story, so to speak, interview with John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward. So, in the interview with the the two of them, uh, they seem very friendly. You know, there's not that much animosity shown, which in later years, I believe they both admit that they didn't really care for each other or whatever. And this is uh, fall of the year uh, 85, uh, season 22 wrapped up in March of that year, and this is the... um, but they're like just a few months into, uh, well, it's like six months into um, the 18-month hiatus that leads into uh, Colin Baker's um, Trial of a Time Lord and then um, the casting of Sylvester McCoy as the Seventh Doctor. And uh, Sayward was the script editor from, I believe, the second season of Peter Davison. Um, And then this is the third season that he's been with. Doctor Who, I believe. Yes, because Peter Davison had three seasons. And uh, this season 22 is um, the third season, so... So Sayward would be around for Trial of a Time Lord, and then um, him and Nathan Turner would uh, um, go their separate ways, so to speak. Nathan Turner, um, I don't know if any of it came out at this point, but later on we discover that Nathan Turner had been trying to leave Doctor Who, and the... uh, upper echelons of the BBC would not allow him to do that. 
So, um, therefore, <laughs> you got if you got somebody that's not happy, and you know they're not being allowed to move on or whatever, it's it's not good for anybody, and especially especially if um, you have a coworker that. Um, is kind of giving you a hard time for some of your decisions. Sayward uh, apparently didn't care for the casting of Baker as the doctor, and then um, he was trying to um, modernize the uh, show with some of the scripts, and um, he was also upset with Nathan Turner, I guess, would bring in inexperienced script writers causing uh, the script editor, in this case Sayward, to have to work extra to uh, fix the scripts. Um, so, yeah, they uh, talk about how, um, well, they bring up the memory cheats uh, trope. You know, you always remember fondly stuff from your childhood or whatever and so that's basically what they say in here um the complaints about the violence in season 22 uh the various um like a uh, vengeance on Varus with its um like a torture porn kind of aspect um, this was the time of the video nasties where you had people producing horror and, you know, graphic content and putting it direct to video, bypassing the movie theaters, and so they could put whatever they want kind of out there. So England had the ban on that kind of stuff. Um, so... They were trying to make um, Vengeance on Varus was kind of supposed to be a riff on that. Though it had cannibals, somebody getting knocked into an acid <laughs> bath, um, people being mutated physically into different things, all that fun stuff. And then, of course, uh, later... In the season, you have um, uh, Mark of the Rani. Well, is a little silly with the people being turned into trees, um, but their uh, brains being harvested for a chemical, so then they become irrational and violent and whatnot. Um, the uh, two doctors with the androgums, you know, being all about cooking <laughs> other <laughs> sentient life forms, you know. I mean, because they're superior, so, you know, it's nothing like uh, cannibals or whatever. Um, and, of course, what do we got? The, oh, I suddenly can't remember. The uh, cyber story and also the resur 
revelation of the Daleks. But just all kinds of stuff. Uh, Saywards and John Nathan Turner um, try to turn it to where it's a dramatic license or whatever. Um, all that fun stuff. But I especially like the... There's a quote in here. Uh, Sayward... Um, the interviewer argues that Attack of the Cybermen, that's the name of it, had been somewhat lacking in elements of hope and optimism, with nearly every major character being killed off. So Sayward replies, You're thinking mainly about Bates, Stratton, and Griffith's characters, I suppose. <laughs> it's like, well, besides, if you've seen Attack of the Cybermen, then you you know besides the alien cryons and the doctor and perry so those two are the main characters the cryons well actually no the cryons die too <laughs> everybody besides some cybermen die <laughs> bates stratton griffiths are the only humans besides perry and they, they die. So it's kind of like, well, no, that, that is, yeah, they died. You know, but he um, continues, the narrative was that as the characters developed and finished their contribution, they were killed. The idea behind that was to create a separate theme. We had the doctor locked up in most of episode two, and this was the second story strand of people struggling to get out. It was the resistance bit that the doctor's unable to do. It was quite a positive element being pretentious about it. It's the energy and effort put people put in to avoid death. They don't just sit there. They were being very determined about trying to escape from Telos. And although they died in the attempt, I think the way they went about it lifted the story dramatically. So, eh, I don't know. I mean, I like the story. <laughs> but yes, it's a lot of people just get their... It's like the number comes up. It's like, whoop! Oh, it's time for you to die. Whoop! Oh, time for you. All right. All right, that's it. Let's, you know, take everybody out. So... He got that, um, and I say that knowing that it's nothing new. Back in, um, the, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen with Patrick Troughton, everybody dies. Um, and then they leave, um... Let's see the uh, no in the first Dalek story the Thals are still alive. A lot of them get taken out, but yeah. You know. But yeah, you've got different stories. There is some of that memory cheats, you know. Back in my my doctor would never have done that. And it's like eh. yeah, I don't know about that. And, um, 
some of so another complaint that I've heard is that Perry's character whines a lot. She does a lot of complaining, a lot of you know picking at the doctor, and uh, Sayward's uh, response is. Um, if you were in space with the doctor and you had time to think what sort of questions you'd ask, those are the sort of questions I'd like you to put in your script. There might be too much, or yeah, there might be too much of Perry saying, for God's sakes, what are we doing, doctor? But that's because of the briefing. I'm very keen on saying she is the intelligent Earth view in space. If we were out there with him, and it was all real. We'd be so befuddled by what was going on, we'd only want to hide. If Perry seems unhappy, you can put that down to me. Because I think if we all went out there, we'd all be unhappy in a way. <laughs> so it's like, well, yeah, I could see that. You know, maybe. But this is not a fantasy. But it's a story... You know, it's a TV show, and I want to watch a show and be entertained, and I want my heroes to not be kind of that way. That, um, you know, Perry might be like, Doctor, what the heck are we doing? This is ridiculous, and then come up with a way out of it, but... In in a way, it's kind of defeatist. Like, she just does that, and then, eh. I mean, I love Nicola Bryant in there, because especially with the Trial of a Time Lord, it seems like they kind of work out something. The script writer... The, the scripts just seem like they get that relationship a little better than before. And it's like things are ticking along. Um, they both, the doctor and his companion, have something to do other than, you know, just cower in the corner. Um, but, yeah. It's, you want, you, you don't want your characters that you love to just go, whatever, I'm just gonna just kind of whine and you know, not be constructive. So, that's kinda on Sayward and uh, JNT, John Nathan Turner, he, uh, but then you have all that behind the scenes, BBC upper echelon stuff, Michael Grade, breathing down their neck, you know, uh, too much violence, um, the ratings aren't where we think they should be, um, all this BS when if like uh, Doctor Who today you don't have a uh, John Nathan Turner in there for like seven um, I think he came on season 18 um, and then 27 so like nine years yeah, I'm not talking about just years. I mean, seasons of it, you know. Because then we have the 18-month hiatus that pushes it beyond um, 
nine years, about ten years, but nine seasons that they worked on this show, or that he worked on the show, and um, then you've got the <laughs> people like poor uh, Chris Chibnall and his, you know, the um, Doctor Who fan club that he was in. Or they actually got an audience with Nathan Turner and poor Pippin Jane Baker <laughs> complaining about the quality of the scripts. And it's like, oh, it shouldn't be a celebrity cameo fest and, you know, all that, you know. But, um, which it was interesting to see Chibnall's first season with the new Doctor and you know, there was kind of, at the beginning, there's that little trailer that had the uh, celebrity cameo thing going on. And it was like, oh, crap, is he going to do that? But it worked out. I thought it was good. Um, it worked well with uh, trying to come up with new adversaries, not rely on all the old stuff, you know, but it's also a lot of fun at the New Year's special when they just went, all right, we're doing the Daleks. <laughs> that was pretty, pretty cool. Alrighty. So let's stop here and I'll be back in a sec. Alrighty. Before we wrap this up, I just want to mention, uh, the, <laughs> the main thing, one of the main things I love about these old Doctor Who magazines, the, uh, comic strip. So we get the Doctor, whoever the current Doctor is at the time. They uh, go on these sometimes amazing adventures, sometimes eh. But, um, you know, getting into all kinds of trouble maybe they wouldn't be able to do on the TV show. Like, um, this issue has Kane's story, part one. And there's a draconian, some various aliens, a little robot. Um, just, you know, stuff they wouldn't have the special effects budget for. This is pretty cool. You got uh, John Ridgeway art. Uh, Max Stockbridge is doing a good job with this script. Uh, Frobisher is the companion. Perry isn't in this issue. And uh, there's a lot of that. Or, um, uh, the Colin Baker... Uh, in the comic strip was just uh, him and Frobisher. Uh, Perry would pop in every so often. She actually shows up towards the end of this. Uh, he's on, the doctor's on a planetoid. He's uh, at a restaurant, cafeteria, something. He goes to sit down, talks to this guy, or he sits next to the guy, and then he's like, did they say... There's like a news thing talking about skeletoids um, are only weeks away from the solar system, which is our solar system. So he's like, did they say solar system? And then he, of course, info dumps the skeletoids, how they um, came to be um, from the Vespin system. They were once humanoid. They invented a battle suit, and they... Uh, perfected it so eventually it didn't need people 
and so the human part of the skeletoid became the least important component the machine had taken over so it's basically like just bodies in these suits and they're attacking apparently they were good they could fight Daleks or um, Cybermen for a second I thought it was going to be like another Cybermen thing but nope and uh yeah and this guy that he's talking to apparently is the uh he looks like a hobo but apparently he was the professor of phenomenology at Kaltar Tech for 10 years and so um I guess his name is Kang Kane but so the doctor's going to take him to uh, some place to see if they could figure out uh, a um, fix for this whole skeletoid thing. So it gets back to the TARDIS, Frobisher, and they go in, um, and this is where Perry shows up. They end up, the doctor um, materializes the TARDIS in New York, 1985, and that's where Perry is. She walks by, and then the TARDIS shows up. So she comes back, and they're going to go do some uh, adventuring. Hopefully fix this whole skeletoid thing. Enough of that. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, if I ramble too long, let me know. If you want me to ramble some more, I'll go right ahead. I'll be back with more Doctor Who stuff next Saturday. Um, and, uh, maybe we'll talk about some game stuff from Doctor Who. Maybe we'll talk more Doctor Who magazine. Whatever. <clears throat> so, you can send me a message on Anchor. Or send me an email. JamesYoder underscore artist at yahoo.com. My gaming blog, which I'm hoping to put some pictures on. I think I've said that before, but, yeah. <laughs> get some stuff there that's randomencountersohio.blogspot.com and hope to hear from some of you guys soon and uh, I'll be back take care and uh, see you later <laughs>